covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Walls podcast. I am Jim Marier, alongside me, Zach Heilman. Hey, yo, how's it going? Day late, but still here and ready to go. Day late, still here, ready to go. Still getting three episodes this week, of course, today. Lovely. It's the Wednesday-ish walkthrough on a Thursday. Yeah, and tomorrow, yeah. you'll get Turf Talk and the final walkthrough. On a Friday, doubleheader plus action of the NAL. So you're still getting content. Sorry about the delay. Um, a little hectic. People reached out. Thank you. Nothing major, but thank you for worrying that. Where's our content? Eh, stay late, but we're here for you. Uh, remember, you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the National Arena League. I can't I keep always. I always try to make something more, you know, extravagant. Mm-hmm. NationalArenaLeague.com. You can find us there on the bottom, halfway through the screen, on the right side, nationalreneurling.com forward slash videos. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, hash, uh, almost said hashtag, but at Inside and Walls Pod. We go. are six away from 100 subscribers on YouTube, I think. We're we're getting closer, man. So getting closer. You can still find us there, but eventually you'll find us at N Walls Pod when we can change our URL. But once we get to the six, Six more subscribers, one of you, two tickets to any NL game of your choosing. Most likely a little playoff game, could be, could be before that, but we still have that contest. Remember, like, subscribe, hit the bell. It builds morale, and one of you may win two tickets to an NL game of your choosing. Again, playoffs could be a factor at this time. So, another week has completed. A lot of stirring of the force if there's star wars people out there hopefully we don't get dubbed by youtube i sense great um, change yeah, great change <laughs> as one of our listeners messaged us this week well jim wanted chaos he got chaos <laughs> yes we did get chaos we have well i like to say the computer simulations have multiple outcomes that can still happen this year and it's amazing because we entered last week, the first week of playoff scenario week, where a team could clinch the playoffs. The San Antonio Gunslingers went nene. Hopefully, we don't get dub on that either. Um, but no way, no, no clinching of any postseason berths. We got some coming up in week eleven. More intriguing. We also have a potential elimination scenario too happening this weekend. So we'll get more of that in the final walkthrough. But we had three games that chaos occurred. Jacksonville, Orlando. I was very nervous about the game. I said down the final walkthrough turned out to be over. I was over. Didn't expect Jacksonville to do what they did. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Of course, I did bad this weekend. I went one and two of my picks. Uh, Albany kind of uh, established themselves up in Albany and made got a, a big significant win. Uh, to keep them in pace, but they got to go this week to face a hot San Antonio team and a rematch from a couple weeks ago. So that's going to be unique. And also we had a, can you say another upset or from the smoking guns podcast, our colleagues in San Antonio, the biggest win in San Antonio history when they beat the Carolina Cobras last week. Also the biggest attending crowd in the, in the, in, San Antonio again. Production, upgrades of the field. San Antonio, we've been wanting this from you guys, and you guys are delivering it now. I'm just saying bravo. Everything's coming together in San Antonio, and that was just a great overall presentation, performance for that organization in San Antonio. So chaos happened. It looks like one city is getting stabled with their fans now and increasing fans. But I wanted chaos. We got chaos. We have scenarios coming this week. We're entering the season four weeks into the playoffs. So we're going to start seeing a lot of positioning and eliminations here in the next couple of weeks. So overall, Zach, what you thought about this week, this past week? Well, yeah, I think I think changed up a few things. Um, and I honestly uh, 
one of the one game in particular, I think a lot of people are resonating with that goes, okay, the NAL standings don't really reflect as to what's going to be coming ahead is mm-hmm. really what Carolina is coming home with, um, with Jonathan Baines injury looming quite largely over the league and over Carolina's hopes for, I won't say the playoffs because I think they've solidified it with enough, but really just they're standing on if they are going to be able to be a championship team at this mm-hmm. time. They have a lot of talent, you know, but you also in the arena game, you have to have someone that can be able to efficiently deliver a pat deliver passes and run the offense the way that it is meant to be. And Carolina's defense has uh, in recent weeks started to become kind of leaky. Uh, it's a, uh, Hasn't really lived up. Now, credit, San Antonio has been hot. Don't get me wrong. But uh, it took everything you needed to keep pace with Albany. Uh, you know, Jacksonville, when they had that la- their last contest, they also weren't able to make many stops. So those side, that side of the ball hasn't been as efficient as it was the beginning of the season. Um, that's something that worries me, too. You know, it's not like, say, Columbus, where Columbus, you can play lockdown defense, and then your offense needs to do just enough most weeks to where you can get a win. Carolina, you still need Jonathan Bain to help supplement and keep pace, if not eventually outrun your opponents on that side of the ball. Um, with him being out, his short or long-term status, I am wondering where that goes and what they do to address that position. Because, of course, James Summers, Summers was you know, their guy. They brought in as the uh, interim real quick at the end of that contest going to overtime. They were close to pulling it off. Just really great defensive stop by the Gunslingers in OT. Uh, but I don't know if that's your solution there. And quite frankly, we'll find out soon enough via the transaction wire, or, you know, maybe we'll of course pop a question to coach res here. See if he has anything, not sure if he'll do that, you know, strategically, but if anything, we'll find out before (laughs) this week on the transactions, who's going to be playing in Carolina to uh, fill in for Jonathan Bain. I think, and you think, I believe that I'm not sure what the timetable, I don't think he's playing this week. And I don't, I'm worried about the rest of the year in his regard. Yeah, big question mark in Carolina for sure. If Bain's not there, uh, championship season could very well be at risk of not happening in Carolina, especially with teams like Jacksonville, San Antonio, and Columbus getting back into form. Carolina, it, I know they say a team is not determined by one player. Um, but when it's an MVP performing quarterback like Bain was, mm-hmm. um, that's a big blow. And it's going to be hard to overcome that. And especially when you look around the league and you got Jacksonville, San Antonio and Columbus and look like Albany trying to get back, getting their stuff back together. It's a bad time. And of course, injuries, you can't predict injuries at all. Um, but from what it looked like, it looked like it's going to be a significant time. I don't know the timetable. We haven't got any sources from the NAL or from the Carolina that's told us the actual time of the injury, right. how long it might be. Um, I've been told that Jacksonville is about to get some good news here in the next couple of days. About their certain, uh, with their certain injuries, but we won't say anything until Friday. Uh, they, you know, keep the suspense up for you guys. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's getting to a point in the season where this type of injury if it's as if it's as major as a lot of people are suspecting it to be, how it dampens a great season where what Caroline could be, were we seeing one of the best NAL teams ever assembled in the mm-hmm. Carolina Cobras this year? Um, we may not ever we may not get to see it, um, but in the NFL, in, in the Arena League, in any professional league or any football league in general, um, injuries happen and you can't predict them, and it was. You got some people out there say it was kind of a cheap shot. You got some people say, why are quarterbacks snapping the ball, uh, being the holders for kickers? When then you, when you look at the lens of the NAL, every quarterback basically does it besides, I think it's Columbus, is Townsend who uh, does it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, Townsend does in Columbus. That's right. Um, literally, the quarterback touches the ball every single time, basically. Um, and so it's a big blow, but. Injury aside, you got to look at San Antonio. San Antonio has put together a last couple of weeks that have been, have been basically six months, six weeks of frustration for that organization. Build up, and they finally got it. The win over Albany was back then the biggest win in the franchise history. Then they got the win over Carolina. So they've won three of the last four. 
kind of on a little hot streak. So based on that, this is how we're going to do the games today. I'm going to say based on the hottest hot streaks. Jacksonville okay. has won five of the last seven. Care uh, San Antonio has won three of the last four. So we're going to start with the hottest, the hotter streak, uh, to a city that is uh, home of the Duvalians. No, are we called the Duvalians? Duvalians. No. That doesn't sound um, right. No. Um, welcome to Duval. D U V A L, not Duvalians. <laughs> um, I saw that in the chat a lot. The, you know, the, the glorious city of Jacksonville, the, the God-given earth to the Arena Football League. Well, dang it. <laughs> I, I just want to say, well, thank you for the honor. Appreciate it. But there's a lot of other arena teams out there that deserve some representation. Ooh, man. Ooh, Arizona. Man. But still, um, Devolians. But, yeah, um, I love the chatter. Um, you know, you smile, and they hate it. Just going to say it. Um, but, anyways, let's go to the Jacksonville uh, for the Jacksonville Sharks taking on the Orlando Predators in game two of the three-game series against the Orlando Predators. And you said something off screen that was completely on point. Um, basically, Orlando did the opposite that they did in the first game. Yes! They did a, a no-show in the first half of the first game and battled in the second half. This game, they battled in the first half and no-showed in the second half. Um, I was intending to ground. I was intending to ground. I was at the game. Yeah, you were there. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to, you know, phrase it to I was at the game and I was attending and then the beers kicked in and then the scoreboard was in favor of the beers. So I was attending <laughs> the game. <laughs> okay. Forty um, um, some dollars later. Um, but anyways, that's like two beers <laughs> this day and day during inflation, taxes. Um, the gas prices, you know, all the scenarios everyone says this. Oh, yeah. oh, but yeah. anyways, um, one thing I've noticed about Jacksonville and this stretch, Harville Nelson, he has basically, when Jacksonville's gotten issues, he's been that leadership that has slowed down the game, has helped the game out. But a player that's not getting enough recognition out in Jacksonville right now is a guy who stepped up huge the last two weeks, and that's Naquan Murray. He has been the go-to guy for Harvell uh, Nelson, and he showed out. Since Devin Wilson's been out, Naquan has filled that role, and Jacksonville's offense technically has not stopped. Again, we've said multiple times about Jacksonville this season, you have to outscore them. You can't, you're not going to stop them. You have to outscore them. Columbus outscored us with some top. They had some good defenses. Orlando was going to match point, especially the first quarter. It almost looked like it was going to be a 0 0 draw. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is rare to see in the first quarter, but in the second quarter, both offenses started to get kicked up. Kato was starting to look better. Arvell was starting to get into it, um, spreading the ball out. But in the second half, what I've noticed is that Orlando was getting too busy getting in third and longs. Like they had two drives in the second half that they were third and nine with the ball, and they'll complete maybe a 14 yard pass. There's a holding, there's a legal motion, and they're behind the eight ball again. Um, that happened a lot against uh, in the second half in Jacksonville, and you can you can you can say that is because of what Jacksonville and how the defense is, or you can say about the six thousand five hundred fans that were in attendance in, in Jacksonville this past weekend, or technically seventy one hundred twenty four tickets were sold and only six thousand seven hundred forty seven showed up. But I digress with the two numbers. Still, some big numbers that some arena teams wish they had. Um, to the fans out there, Jacksonville, fan base, we like being called out and being arrogant because we love our team. We may not win every game. <laughs> we may not, you know, beat our rivals, Columbus, mm -hmm. um, or handle our rivals like Orlando, but we love our team. This game, four beers in, I was having a good time. It was literally the first Jaguar game with Sharks game, excuse me. I almost said the other. That's a disappointment across the street. That's a team. Yeah, I'm not talking about the Sharks. I'm not talking about the Jaguars yet. Um, talk to me in late September when I think we're eliminated from the playoffs in the first week of the season. Um, but that's that's the Jacksonville Jaguars for you. Um, but for the Sharks overall, that atmosphere was there. Every time Orlando got the ball, Orlando brought a good contingent. A good contingent of fans went up to Jacksonville. There were about 60 to 70, probably 80 fans that took a bus up to Jacksonville. They were there. They were loud. They were doing their Thunder Six, which was pretty cool. 
Um, mm-hmm. I wish I oh, see, yeah. I wish I love to see that around the league. Columbus does a very well job with that too. Um, it was a great atmosphere. Um, I saw in the chat from a couple of games, like they're calling out the attendance number. Yes, it was no uh, no inflation. There was a lot of freaking people there, um, as expected. But you can tell, you can tell, no matter what, when you have a game in Jacksonville, you can tell the fans are in the game and it's loud in that building. We've heard from multiple players and multiple teams that if you get behind in Jacksonville, it's going to be tough to beat them because you're not just dealing with a normal arena crowd. You're dealing with a packed house of fans that are passionate about the game that know the game. And Higgins, the Orlando team, I think that got to him the second half because they were very disorganized. Their offense was sluggish, bad penalties. They were Once they were getting aggravated, they were doing stupid penalties like the personal fouls. Um, they kept putting themselves behind the eight ball. And I think that with the fans in the stadiums, especially after what Jackson did last week, they, they had a little bit more extra. Um, I did because I was kind of intoxicated, so I was yelling out a lot. But anyways, um, it was a good game. And plus, the reason why I'm a little bit more hype up is it's Orlando week. Jacksonville does not like Orlando. It was a rivalry week. We got the win, got two wins. And it was a big one for Jacksonville. They solidified themselves at that at the point of the game and the point of the weekend as a clear playoff team until what happened in San Antonio. And then, mm-hmm. hey, let's there we go. Let's add San Antonio in the mix. Like one of our listeners out there said, well, Jim talks about the muck. Well, apparently the whole league is a muck now. I'm like, yeah, apparently the whole kind league of, is a kind muck. Of is. It kind <laughs> when, of is becoming that. Yeah. When, when, when the team that's out of the playoffs is only two and a half games back in first place. So tells you there's a lot of things going to happen. But overall, in, in Jacksonville, uh, the glorious that is the Jacksonville Sharks, by the way. I should have like a ring and then go, ah, um, to hate the haters. But anyways, um, it was a great game, great performance. Uh, for Orlando, this has been very three back three to back to back to back weeks of very inconsistent halves. Like they did, they did against San Antonio last week, where they were dominant the first half. Looked like they were going to blow San Antonio out of the water, and the second half it just went away. Mm-hmm. First game against Jacksonville, they didn't show up the first half, and they were competitive in the second half. Last week's this week's game, competitive in the first half, and went away the second half. I don't know what's the consistency issue there. Um, is it? They got to change game plans. I don't know. I just feel like you've had back-to-back inconsistent weeks. You go into Jacksonville, you play tough in the first half, and and you keep Jacksonville in striking range, and just all of a sudden your offense goes away in the second half. And Jacksonville, I think, scored every time they had the ball in the second half. And when, again, like we stated before, you have to outscore Jacksonville. You're yeah. not going to stop. It, you, for that, for Orlando, I mean, I just think uh... – Stuff just seemed to fall off the tracks in the second half. Uh, just didn't feel like that people were getting, you weren't getting guys open. Um, I felt like defensively Jacksonville just found some of its stride in the second yeah. half for sure. I actually want to give a shout out to Clifton Duck because I know he got, um, oh, yeah, he, had a good game. He, he had, he'd been kind of ripped apart by some people in a, in earlier weeks uh, for defensive performances. And this one, he can't, he showed out. Uh, he was all over the field big hits, you know, getting in receipt, getting break pass breakups and defenses, you know, guy was another guy that's not on the stat sheet that had an awesome game. Devin Maxwell. Yeah. That guy was thumping everywhere. Like you won't see that in the stats, but you were at the game. You seen him flying around. So shout out to Devin Maxwell too. He got, he was, he was out there you know, laying his will on people. So, yeah. Oh, dude, he, he absolutely was when he was given opportunities. You know, it's just, of course, with the with the NAL, it's not run first for this. So, you know, it's not every opportunity he gets. You know, he can't make catches. He was a former tight end, by the way. So, you know, if that if that ever comes up. But, uh, you know, I think Orlando, I just don't know how to say it more than I, it's already been said. Uh, they can't put a complete game together right now. Uh, and that's it's just play. It's honestly plugging them. Um, and frustrations are, you know, I don't know if it's just the fact you're playing the Sharks again in a, such a short time frame. I mean, they, they get to play them again this week, <laughs> this coming week too. Different you know, confines. Diff, different confines. They go home at least, but you know, three out of your last four weeks, you're playing the same same team. Yeah, that, that I can understand. You know, some things might carry over, 
um, or frustrations from the year. You know, so unfortunately, you have the suspension of Daquan Murray, um, mm-hmm. and you also had a punch thrown in the game in this contest as well that also led to a suspension and just um, some things came to be, unfortunately. Uh, but I mean, Coach Higgins has some things to answer. Now, this isn't confirmed or anything, by the way, so I'm not going to go on the record, but like, uh, you know, Rakeem Cato has made his own post about maybe not even being with the team. Again, that's not even confirmed on the site, so we can't even go farther beyond that. But um, he has made a post that might insinuate something. So I'm kind of, for those fans out there, keep an eye on what uh, Orlando's QB situation could be. They did get Matt Parsons back. But I, I don't know. Things are kind of uh, in a very gray area for the end of the year. Uh, and they are really looking like the team that is a facing some last... Too. Yeah, some last gasps might be coming for the Predators uh, if you, in, if unless things uh, magically swap around. Because something else too, defensively, you know, I give props when the coat when the uh, Predators defense has had its moments. Josh Jenkins has been balling all season in his specialty role, um, but I feel like some of the guys haven't fully gotten down their Iron Man roles, and it hasn't helped them either. Um, yeah. Credit offensive inefficiency in you know a quarter, a half on that side of the ball that's really starting to bite them too. So yeah, things are piling up in Orlando. Unfortunately, it's uh recent weeks have finally started to hi- have, have highlighted more and more that these things, it's hard to get over them for, for Jeff Higgins, squad. Yeah. And, and I don't schedule, know. I was going to say their schedule doesn't help them either. Yeah. I, I don't know if they'll be able to fix it in time. That's the thing last year. They last year, you know, under, under Ben Bennett, you know, with Higgins on the, on the staff, of course, they, you know, they flipped, they had Patrick O'Brien, they flipped mm-hmm. to him after Hicks went out. Stay, things were stabilized after Brian got got himself his off the offense under his feet, and they were able to rally from a with a midseason surge to get to the playoffs. This right. time around, I don't know if they have enough juice and the schedule like you're talking. It doesn't favor them to no, make that comeback. The they have yep. a bye week, then they're at Albany, then they're at Columbus. Yeah, and see, that's not favorable to me because the the way that the league's turning out this year. Um, I mean, I don't think even last year, you know, it didn't feel like that they, there are really any times except maybe the Albany Sharks game at the end of the season where you yeah, had starters swap out. Mm-hmm. There, there's no way that that happens this year. These guys are going to be fighting to the bitter end. Like I said, Orlando is going to have to find some way in either quick signings like Carolina did last year, um, or they're just going to have to uh, come together, sing Kumbaya and uh, will it yeah. <laughs> to get some wins. Well, uh, last season, impos- Orlando had three games like they had in Jersey, like Jersey, Carolina, Jersey, and they only had to win two, one of those games to clinch a playoff spot. They're going to have to win out in th- these next three games. And hopefully there's help on top of that's a lot to ask for teams. Um, especially they're the only, they're the team that's under elimination this weekend. So that's an additional pressure on top of the team. So uh, yeah, I yet the frustration of a season that's coming in and the inconsistency of them trying to get corrected. By the time when they look like they're getting around the corner, they fall two steps back and yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I I think some games for them that loom over there, what could the season could have been? I mean, you know, I talk about finishing. I mean, you go back to weeks three and weeks, well, three and four, really, although more so even week four, two point loss to Carolina. You have that, of course, the week nine, whether you talk about the officiating or not, two point loss that was a come from behind win for the gunslingers at your own, in your own home turf. You got to that, that stuff that bites you when you look at how the league's turned out. That's a two game flip. You're then five and four, right? Where Albany's sitting right now with Jacksonville as well. You could be talking about being in the middle of the muck even more so. But unfortunately, also, someone's got to go and take, someone's got to be the bottom at the end of the day. Yeah. I was going to uh, say, sad, also, a lot of Orlando fans will also mention about the Albany game too. If it's yeah, certain, and I, certain and I, change, I mentioned that, that less just because of, I know the the one one specific call that we talked back at the time did flip mm-hmm. that, but it did become a two possession lead at the end. That is one that if you go back and you think what could have been with one different call, I completely understand that too. But yeah, I mean it's again finishing games, finding ways to win. It's not come easy for Orlando this year since the uh, first half of the season. Um, I don't know if, how much more it will. You know, well I'll leave it for predictions, but. You can tell our tones not really yeah. matching up of what we think could be going on. Now I'll tell you though, um, when we do the when we do the one team that just rose above them in the standings this week, um, 
I really want to talk about that. I want to, I do want to, I do want to delay that because we do have, uh, before we get to the game of the week, we had the Sunday matchup, one that I was going to be honest, I thought would be closer on the scoreboard. Um, and there were some things that stood out that I said, okay, didn't see a Columbus's defense, not giving up 60 plus points. That's, that is, uh, and I'm going to double check this for reference right now, just to make yeah. sure I am getting my numbers right. Uh, yeah, that is the most they have given up all season to anyone in the NAL. So uh, they did get run out of MVP arena. Number two, um, <laughs> I, I got to give props to Albany. They switched up their offense. Uh, they started doing a few different mechanics. Uh, they actually brought in a few things from the indoor style of the game that worked. Um, and they did well. Shorts is yeah. a decent fullback, um, which so I was like, okay, I see what's going on here. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not saying that that's they're fully out of the woods because San Antonio, you still got to start two matchups, but um, this is a better all. This is more reminiscent of what Albany was looking like maybe in the early goings yeah. of San Castro Nova being swapped in. It was a positive sign for Albany fans. It stops the bleeding, yeah. you know, yeah, it stops bleeding now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, but you have a saying on the show. Uh, we like to eat our own crow when it happens. Me yes. and you both said that Columbus defense was going up there and to shut down uh, Albany. Albany, we we will eat our crow for you guys. Uh, you guys shut us up. Cooking uh, on a rotisserie back here. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be done when we're done recording. Trust me. <laughs> uh, uh, one thing I look the, the shorts move and put him back in the running back, and he had a couple of possessions where catching over was a shotgun, and they did a lot of reoption. When you did a lot of shotgun and read yeah. option, I was like, oh my god, yeah, you know that's that's a lot in, in the arena game. Mm-hmm. You see that in the indoor game, but you never see that in the arena game. Um, but also. One thing you got to give credit to is Albany's defensive side of things. They were giving Smith a hard time back there. They were. Like, he could not settle down. Um, yes, you know, we always say that all, uh, you need to shut down Darius Prince and you shut down the Albany Empire. Well, Albany basically shut down Jermall and Fortson, and Columbus did not know what to do besides that. They made um, Daniel Smith work for his throws. Uh, that's something correct. really stood out. You know, he was he had to buy himself time when he was given chances. Um, but he worked for his throws. Absolutely. But one guy that stood out that deserves more praise that he doesn't get, and that's um, Townsend for the Columbus yeah. Lions. That guy made a couple catches in that game. I'm like, only a few people could catch catch a ball like that. Um, and uh, guys, I love your coverage, by the way, but when the receiver falls on the other side of the wall with the football and there's no referees around there or camera angles, yeah. they're not going to reverse the call. That, 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 was, that was kind of what I was – you and I, I is the same thing. And, you know, that, this is something where it comes like – you know, you're like, as an arena fan, you're like, man, I wish there was that camera that's on the yeah. back of the end zone. A, stadium configurations, it's all different. But B, I mean, you can only have so many and cruise, you, you know, you cruise for these. Most of us want the good shots, which, by the way, the broadcast for all things considered, I'll say Great. across the board, NAL broadcast this year, their quality has been well Everyone. received. It's been great. Uh, it's, it's awesome that I can tune, tune in and be like, you know, what's not distracting the broadcast. I can watch this game like a normal person. That, that's that's great for bringing in a casual fan, yeah. by the way. And I'm only bashing Gaz because I made that comment during the game and he called the podcast out about that. Oh. So he's like, <laughs> well, well but no one gets the no one gets the views like inside the wall. So that's the reason why I made that comment. But yeah, like um, the call, the call was gonna stand. You know, I know exactly which one you're talking about. There, there's no camera angle. You know, that that's a thing. Referees, they are they're expected as to be hundred percent certainty. If it's not that, you have to stand with the call on the field. So that was what got stuck that played. That play didn't determine the outcome of that game. Oh, um, no, 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 no. Columbus got in the hole early and couldn't get out of the hole. Exactly. And Albany just kept capitalizing without a kicker. Um, they were doing some strange kicking the ball into the end zone or 15-yard line, which is what weird. You, they had to go to uh, reserve balls. Did you see that? Exactly. Yeah, they yeah. had to go to the reserve six footballs that they and had it, <laughs> their emergency. What, one thing that was making me laugh is watching the fans in the arena wrote like migrate over to where they know where the kickoff's going to be and watch the ball get kicked off. And 
when it was going on the other side of the stadium, they went back on the other side of the stadium. Um, it was like it's like the wave, but it just takes a possession to do because they got to move around. Um, but yeah, hey, if you get the ball's getting kicked in, the, get get gallon bounce, you keep it. That's that's how it is. And they were in a game or an NAL game. I had a, um, I had a, I'm sorry, I had a good laugh because you're talking that sec those sections and. Yeah towards the end of the fourth quarter there had been enough kicks in that one section where it was a row of like a kid and his two other friends all of them had an albany empire football and they're just yeah. going yeah look at and this one, guy and one and one thing that was funny is uh i think it was a couple of columbus fans on the chat it's like well this game is over let's just rate the catches of all the <laughs> kickoffs by all the fans <laughs> and i'm like oh that's awesome i love it oh um, that's 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 great um, that's and great. I think either Gaz and or the uh, the play by play guy for the Albany Empire caught on to the chat, and they were doing that towards the end of the game. They were rating the catches, um, like if an adult caught the ball and didn't get into the kid, they gave the adult like a one on the catch because he <laughs> you're supposed to give to the kid was something like that. It was it was pretty. It, it, it was that's just how I love this, this game. It's like yes, the game was decided, but at least the 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 people who cover the game were keeping it interactive. And if it went from, oh, the game is this and this and this. But we went to rating catches from fans because of the kickoffs. Um, because I kind of bash guys in them when it's like, well, well, Albany's record's this and this. And the potential, the one seed's still here, blah, blah. I'm like, don't worry about the one seed. Just worry about getting into the playoffs. At this point, look at your schedule. Yeah, definitely worry about what's ahead. Because, again, I mean, those two San Antonio matchups, like. Are you key. Know, They're it, crucial. Yeah, and at this point, like I said, when we get into that game in a second. Uh, I'm I'm telling you now I'm done with the heck this the skepticism or hesitancy um, for that. Now I will say for uh, this Empire game I got we can't leave this this recap without going. How cool was it to have those banner drops because that was that was a highlight. You know, I mean Albany Firebirds, the 2019 Albany Empire. Yeah, it just it, it one thing I want to do to Mike Corda is uh, to. Uh, Gaz, to Levesque, to the people, the organization, Coach Manas, to bring the fans back to the game in your city. Sometimes you got to tip your hat to the past teams that did it. Um, the Firebirds and Arena Bowl champions, uh, the Empire in 2019 were Arena Bowl champions. I would like to see them like throw, I think, a North Division title when the Albany Conquest were there. I think that's, they think, I think they did win the division back in AF2. I still think that's one of the most underrated logos of all arena football is uh, the Albany Conquest. But still, the organization did a smart thing. Go after the history because you bring if you bring more similar uh, remembrance to your organization and tell it, hey, it's just we're just not the Albany Empire of the NAL. We're the city of Albany, and here's our history mm-hmm. of the arena game in this building. If they played an MVP arena, but just tells you that. The city has won championships or proven winners, and the organizations are proven winners, and they've done it in the NAL. So technically, they've won championships at all three versions of the Empire, uh, Firebirds Empire and the NAL version. So that's a championship organization. Smart move, in my opinion. Yeah, and the, I think it, I think uh, it signals, too, they're trying to say we're here to stay. You know, you're adding those banners back yeah. in. You know, it's like, hey, arena football, it's part of the culture of the, of the capital region. Mm-hmm. We're the institution for it in this section. Also, of the country the proposal that happened at halftime yeah or, no was it the end of the first quarter first first quarter or second no at halftime they did the spin around thing and the the woman was spinning around but the guy got on the knee i'm like huh so we're we're if I, we're doing proposals now i know one thing if i did proposal at the arena football game i'll be single right after that <laughs> just just tell you um, bye <laughs> like, like well at least i got my beer <laughs> she'd, she'd be like oh my god yeah, you could have should have done it at the Jaguar game, been a lot more high class. Oh, that you know, like that. <laughs> that's the ultimate stinger right there. Um, but still, um, that's one thing I love about the YouTube coverages. You get to see the events, you get to see in between scenes. Like in Jacksonville, we had a Pop Warner football game going on between two of the two two top of the I think U twelve teams. Okay, that was exciting. Like, yeah, it's but the thing again, Albany, you got the the proposal we had a proposal in carolina okay now we just need the other four cities to do it before the season end um but still it's great but but still let's get back to the action on the field this is the best game albany has played in over a month it's 
it's been a minute like they this is uh i think some i think some albany fans i i had talked with or read on comments it said it best where it's like hey this feels uh this feels different I, actually the broadcast said the same thing where it's like this feels like the team we're used to seeing out of albany i'm like yeah it came to play and that's kind of what i got and i again i gotta i gotta give credit to the coaching staff for the empire because i think they looked at their roster maybe and just went all right how do we make sam a little more comfortable in his style and how do we swap some things up to where we can get it away from just being a again not just focus on darius prince and maybe sometimes go to one or two you know let's get more weapons mixing and matching out there Dwayne hollis had one of his best days this season he was an animal out there for the empire (laughs) he he did a fantastic job if it wasn't for trevon shorts playing at the level he was Hollis to me would have been my Iron Man of the Week pick. I'm going to be that. It was that close. Uh, Shorts deserves the odd nod. He did get that, by the way. So kudos to him. Um, but like Shorts, they used him as a weapon instead of Lim- Limpkin. He was doing, you know, RPO reads. He was a lot more shifty getting those runs and credit. That's out of the shotgun. And again, yeah. we bring up our shock with the shotgun is look, the NAL is a traditional arena setup. Shotgun's not really the main way you do it. It's generally you get under center, you drop back three to five steps, and you make your read. Or if it's a handoff, you do it quick handoff up the middle, or you do a mm-hmm. jet sweep or something along that nature. And sure enough, you know, they made it work. Like it it threw off Columbus completely in some regard. They just didn't have an answer all day because Darius Prince was getting touchdowns. Yeah, Dwayne Hollis making an impact. Aaron Washu had a few times. Daquan Wade had some catches. And Trevon Shorts, his running ability, and then Sam Castronova just having a beastly game. I mean, there were some tackles he broke. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I haven't seen this energy in him for a while. You yeah, know, he, he was, he was, was on – he, he looked like button? he was refreshed, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, circle, the circle spin cycle button was brought up in the yeah. broadcast. I give him credit because um, Hollis did one of those two on a catch. And I, yeah. I was like, nice reference, guys. But new energy. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm assuming whatever they chose with the playbook, the way they did it, must have changed things around for them. And I want to see how this goes with San Antonio. You know, and supposedly Marco Rosco might be back too. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to change everything completely, but yeah. you know, different team now. All this, it feels weird going in this week. It's different now. It feels different. Completely different team, but the key. The key issue that is not being discussed, it's not because of what happened, the outcome of the game. It's what's going to affect them next week. They have major key position players missing the game. That's where you feel bad about this. Mm -hmm. Due to, let's say, uh, uh, emotion of the game type of penalties where you build up. uh, Nick Haig and Cissé will be out against San Antonio which will be a huge uh, factor because you're, you're talking about your leading defensive tackler and your big man in the middle. Um, that's, that's a big blow. And people say, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just says lost. That one hurts. I think a little more because he's been really recent weeks. He's really been getting back there for the empire. He's been, he's been causing pressure, getting some sacks and he's a captain as well. Both these guys, extra captains that are getting knocked out. Um, but that's, but again, this comes down, comes down to coaching, comes down to, you know, you gotta be level-headed, you know? And right. I, I know, I think you and I noticed this week too, the league kind of cracked down on saying like, look, we got to calm this stuff down because I know some people pointed out, you know, there's been a few instances, guys getting rowdy, some things that haven't been caught and this week. It felt like, you know, stuff kind of caught up and I mean, I, I, it sucks, but you got to keep your, you got to keep a level head. I mean, that's the thing. You, you, you got to be, you got to keep a level head with this I, stuff. Guys. I just got a scene from Medea back. I think it's been one of the Medea movies where she's holding a frying pan. It's just like, sometimes your man will act this way and you give him a chance. Like, hey, bear straighten up, bear straighten up. And if it happens, you pop in the back of the head and you spill the grease on his lap. I'm like, hey. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't know why that scene popped in. With the with the NAL referees this week, but I know one thing. This week, honestly, I think is the best week we've had all season. Um, no big controversy in any of the games. There were more. They were. They're more um, efficient. They took no BS from nobody from all three games. 
Mm. Uh, they were throwing like they were throwing flags on legitimate personal foul stuff. Um, the Nick Hague and Cisse, from what I've heard, was more of a yeah. explicit um, things towards uh, Columbus players. Um, and of course, that's he said, he said, he said. But when refs are in the middle and one side's Albany and the other side's Columbus, they kind of know where the direction the you know audio the language is coming from. Um, but overall, the refs this week kept every game like neutral. Like there was a couple of situations that happened in San Antonio where you're like, oh, this is about to there's going to be a fight here. Something's going to break out. Refs got in the way. Calm down. I do know that a lot of um, Carolina players were kind of upset about what happened to Bain, but the referees managed to like, hey, this it wasn't in serious, and of course, nothing broke out. But overall, a lot better this week compared to last week. Um, and we've talked to a lot of people in the league that associate with the uh, with the ref and the rules, and they loved our tough love episode last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying this is the this is not, you know, the ending. You can still make it better, but you can build off of this week. And this, the, what happened this week should be, at, at the minimum, in my opinion, the standard for the NAL. Yeah, I, I, I was, uh, I liked that it was a bit more cracking down and it, it just felt like stuff was a little more in order. You know, that was the mm-hmm. overall, and that was good. I, I think, uh, you know, and you also saw, San Antonio, it same similar deal. Felt like it was a lot more controlled than their previous two, than a few previous home games. You know, especially early season home games, it definitely feels night and day. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean that was good. And Albany, like I said, I think there were some dis- decisions there that were made correctly. That you know, it's unfortunate for the Empire and for its fans. But you know, if you're Nick Hague, if you're if you're Brand C, say you know, you got to realize that you know your yep. impact impacts the team. You got to be, you still have to have a bit of a level head in the, in these contests, you know, it, with Albany, with Albany still being right, only roughly a half game ahead in their second seed, that's not comfortable. So, and you don't want to jeopardize anything while you're here, especially when they have, you know, crucial matchups around the corner. Now I'll tell you now, before we move, move on, I wanted to, I do want to touch on this because I feel like with Columbus, we kind of, it's almost like we haven't even, we need to touch a little more here. I mean, how do you feel after this game? Like your defense has been your bread and butter. Offensively, you did, you did pretty well. You just had a few, you had one or two series. You just kind of compiled, but it almost felt like this just didn't feel the same energy as in recent contests. There wasn't really that shutdown factor, you know? I think they went into a buzzsaw and here's why I want to say buzzsaw. They've had back-to-back good weeks. They beat Jacksonville was a big, you know, victory. But they went up to Albany on a row, which they don't have a history of doing well in Albany, mm-hmm. to a team that has lost three in a row, mm-hmm. to a team that's completely disorganized. They went into a buzzsaw. They were – they knew if they didn't get out of the gate, like we've said before, well, I've stated before, Columbus cannot – well, you win the game, you outscore a point. Columbus is not going to go up and down the field on you. That's not their offense. They're not built like that. They haven't been, been built like that under Gibson. Yes, when Mason was there, completely different because that's Mason Espinoza. That let the man eat right. when he's out there. But um, they're not going to be a team that they can they can ill afford going dropping ill afford going down two possessions and trying to come back and win the game. They don't have an offense to do that. They had to have an offense that has to go possession by possession by possession with you matching your points. That's what they did against Jacksonville. They got ahead of Jacksonville, but they matched Jacksonville by possessions. In Albany, they got behind in the possession game. They got behind two scores, almost three scores to Albany in the first half and got behind the eight ball. I think they just ran into a buttsaw. The good thing about Columbus now is that now two of their games become where if – certain situations are what we think are going to happen. What I think is going to be announced in a couple of days, probably um, or at least we'll know Saturday is that their two games could have been almost difficult games to win. They're both on the road to Carolina. Now they've become very winnable games. And, yeah. and you look at it, like, like I said, Oh, Albany's only half game up. Yeah. Now everyone's in the muck because the question mark is now Carolina. But for Columbus, I think they just ran into a buttsaw. 
uh, a team that was trying to find themselves back into the mix in the uh, Albany Empire. And I think it just it was just a combination of just bad first half approach, stalling drives, not having an offense that can go possession by possession with Albany at the time. And it just set them back. Do I see, do I see them continuing that uh, this mold? No, they'll bounce back next week. They're a better team than they were a couple of weeks ago. I just think that you're on the road in Albany and what Albany has been through is just, you know, piled on to a, a, a sluggish to a bad start that ended up costing them the game. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I feel that. And I think, I think that they are going to have a rebound. Um, you know, I, like I kind of agree with you in that sense that they ran into a team that, again, trying to stop the bleeding, a little mm-hmm. desperation there. Um, and again, they, they switched some things up. Like that's, that's, that shows a sign of a team that's trying to say, okay, we need to, you know, let's see how if this works. Let's, let's flip the script. Let's make some configurations. And that's what they did, you know? Um, and sure, Columbus, I mean, they got a little bit behind defensively. They couldn't find an answer for some of the adjustments that Albany made. And uh, well, here we are, but I mean, the, the lions still are in a good spot um, as you talked and we'll just go into it right now. Carolina, they have questions and two of those last four matchups for the lions are going to be against the Cobras, a, what might be a different look Carolina Cobras all of a sudden. Um, Cause it, it, the, they did, it was a close loss in overtime, but it really turned out to be like an insult to injury situation with Jonathan Bain going down. Mm-hmm. Um, they did get lucky to get to OT because San Antonio really, it looked like had it locked up even at the end of the fourth quarter. And then things just kind of slipped back into the overtime off of one poor possession. So um, I'll tell you, a good defensive stop, though, to finish things off. I mean, I don't disagree entirely with what Coach Rez's decision was either, you know. Oh, you win the game. Right. I mean, exactly. You know, good blocking. You get one crease. Boom. You walk out of there with the win. You know, feel a little bit better. Because if you kick an extra point in that situation, you're basically telling the other team go win the game. Because the next session, it's sudden death. Whoever scores next wins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, like we talked to him. He goes, if I had to make this decision again, will I do it? And he said yes. Um, yeah, it's a – overall, before how the game ended, about how Bang got hurt, um, this was an exciting game. There oh, were some it's... ups and downs throughout the whole entire thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, San Antonio is completely a different team than week one. Um Carolina has now been in a lot of close games with a healthy bank at a quarterback. And it seems like they got out. Like I, I think it was either you or me made a statement in the preseason that there will be a team that gets out of the gate first, that gets everything right. And they'll be the ones that skyrocket out of the gate and eventually the pack will catch up or they'll fall back into the pack. Um, deja vu. We're, we're seeing that. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it's an injury to Bain, but, the pack caught up with Carolina no matter what over the last couple of weeks. Um, but overall, um, big win for San Antonio. Big win again for that organization. Big win for the John Wayne ownership group. Uh, they got I, they got this team. And you can tell, and I've talked to Phil, who's part of the Smoking Guns podcast. You can tell that the ownership has changed and the question mark of the ownership earlier in the year was affecting the field play on the field too. Now that the players know who the owners are and how uh, the team is going to be, it has a good ownership group. A lot of radio ads I've seen, a lot of TV ads I've seen, they're doing their job. Um, and of course, I think they said they're going to have the logo on one of the NASCAR John Wayne vehicles. I think. Yeah, well, I yeah, they have their own. Uh, I believe it's Xfinity series. If Xfinity, I, so if I had seen it, they have a sponsor. They're, I mean, they're a big company from what keeps been told, and yeah. it's it's so night and day. I, I checked out a clip from you know we kicking off we off in week one and looking to now and i'm just i'm blown away at what in such a short time has been accomplished i mean we're talking like the field's completely different now too yeah they don't have the back end zone i know that they're going to work on that the whole wall situation but like the end zones they look like they they look like professional style ends they have logos in them now there's a center logo now in the field they have Mm -hmm. presentation that is much better than it was in weeks they have of course cheer they got all the fan stuff cheerleading they got giveaways they're doing ticket packages they're doing all the ads like you're talking about and they're giving us a shout out on youtube (laughs) right this looks like a professionally run arena football team that this is a good sign and again the biggest crowd that i can tell and you can tell that have been in freeman coliseum 
since they've started out in the NAL. I mean, it's it's growing. You know, they're doing yeah. things to get people out, and they're doing another promotion this week, uh, military, military appreciation. Military. Yeah, because they're doing uh, it's free tickets for vets, and then first five hundred people in the building get custom jerseys, and that's just stuff that just gets you in the building. I mean, you know, more eyeballs on the product. It wants you, it makes you want to come back. You know, they're running it like a sports business, and at well, least one I've that seen, has more assets. You know, I've also seen comments where. Apparently they didn't have in between quarter inter like events like fan things. Um, now they do. I didn't realize that. Uh, I think one of the guys from Smoking Guns or I think it was RC mentioned that they're like, oh, all these other arena teams have like, you know, the back toss or the kids running back and forth. They're finally doing it. They finally got a cheerleading group. They finally have like a stage back there where it's nothing was there earlier in the season. Now there's a stage with a band and lights. Um, you can tell the John Wayne group is digging this. They love it, and they're presented this way. And when we were so negative on San Antonio, and I'm just going to tell the San Antonio fans we were because back in our minds, we were like, it's not looking good. I, will they survive? And now I think I can say this uh, between me and you and Zach, I'm so confident in the six teams in our league, I'm not worried about them at all. Yeah. Um, Bash, bash the National Marine League all you want. People outside the National Marine League, um, but we have six solid organizations. We we got a core. Like this is like um, seriously. Now I like I'm with you. There's no doubt in my mind now. John John Wayne. You know mm -hmm. they brought in the extra oomph that makes you say, okay, this thing can be a community institution. You know, and it's in those six organizations groups. They're going. You know, we found the foundation, and that's how you build. And I just want to say that the San Antonio organization, uh, John Wayne Group, you guys have done a tremendous job over the last couple of weeks of inheriting the smoking of uh, the uh, shooting. Uh, I almost said, almost said the San Antonio smoking <laughs> guns. Uh, the San Antonio gunslingers. Uh, it's such a great. Uh, um, I'm I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited for the fans. Uh, what it's just been an incredible couple of weeks, and the team has completely changed. It's. Uh, basically the narrative of their season since the ownership change um, two big upsets. Um, they upset the Albany empire. They beat the Orlando predators in Orlando. And now they come home and they knock off the Carolina Cobras. Mm -hmm. They win this week, uh, pull off another one over Albany. You're four and five, and you're literally possibly tied for the four seed in the playoffs. So you're right in the postseason positioning. And when I when I stated a couple last week, I wanted chaos. I got chaos. And does that mean the chaos stops this week? No. I'm literally I'm literally legit going to say what well, I'm going to say this. No matter who the four playoff teams are, I think there's going to be chaos in the playoffs this year. Oh sure. There's a chance that the three seed will host the NAL championship game this year because the four will go the one and knock off the one, and the and the three will win knock off the two it's possible um because i can say right now i can look at all six teams in the league and i can say without a doubt five of them are championship caliber teams five of them can win it all um that's how this league has become so parody yes orlando's on the downside um unfortunately but still they turn one of two games around like you mentioned earlier we were talking about six team race um <laughs> you know We've gone 11 weeks without a team being eliminated in the NAL, and that's for a six-team league. That's very hard to do. Usually a team is out way before then. Um, but overall in this game, oh, the stars shined in San Antonio. Kent shined. Phil Barnett shined. Uh, Kylie Rashad shined. Um, the back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back kicker of the special teams of player of the week, the kicker part, was it Pearson's? <laughs> Who's the Drew Pearson who's been picked up yeah. and has stabilized that spot tremendously for the Have we ever had a kicker go back to back to back? I don't think off, so. Off the top of my head, I really can't recollect that. I know TC um, Stevens went back to back. I mean, Stevens had, yeah, he had a terrible, he was on a terrible last year, you know, yeah. end of the season. He was, when he got back on the field, field more, he yeah. was he and healthy. He was, he was on a tear. And the thing, here's the thing about Carolina. It's not like Carolina played bad. Caroline played a good game. San Antonio played a good game. This is one of those games where whoever had the ball last was going to win. And literally, what happened? 
well, the team that had the ball last kind of lost, but still, well, they yeah. had it. They, it was overtime, but still, it was a good game. It's like even when the injury happened to Bain, Summers came in, and the team didn't quit. That's a that's a coach Reds team, a team that doesn't quit. They're going to still play. Like Carolina last year lost a lot of close games. They didn't just quit. Coach Rez has a he's like Gibson. No matter what the score is, that team is not going to quit. They can be down by 30. They're going to still go out there and act like the game is a one-possession game late in the fourth quarter. And that's Carolina's mentality. So the next four weeks for Carolina, they got two games against Jacksonville and two games against Columbus. Oh, my God. Carolina Bear was like, we wish we had the schedule different with that, but you didn't know what was going ahead. That's a four-week stretch that's going to be huge for it Carolina. Will be. It will be. Um, <sighs> yeah. It's sort of like, like, like I stated. Last week, there's only one path, one team's pathway to elimination, and that's Orlando. That's they're up for elimination this week. Everyone else has a way into the playoffs and a way out. No one has solidified themselves, but for Carolina's sake, they had the benefit of having that jump, quick jump to the season. They win this weekend, they're in. Mm-hmm. Or if San Antonio loses. So if San Antonio loses to Auburn, Carolina's in, so they're no matter what. Um, an epic fail of a season is if Carolina loses the next four because uh, we don't know the question of the quarterback situation. Then San Antonio's in, and, and then you have a cluster of four teams where whoever battles for the number one seed could be either between Jacksonville and Albany. But that's still a possibility. Slim, but still a possibility. Um, but overall, these next four weeks for Carolina are key. You play Jacksonville twice in Jacksonville. You play Columbus twice. In Columbus, you're going to play a defense that is going to shut you down, and especially with a maybe transition with the quarterback situation right now in, in Carolina. It's going to be very difficult. Jacksonville becomes, can Summers keep pace with the Sharks? Because the Sharks are going to score. Um, I've even talked to a couple people, a couple of Sharks fans. They even messaged me and said, what are our chances of hosting the playoffs the game? I'm like, with, Carol, with the news of Carolina, our chances have increased very – they went up. Uh, we just got to see what Columbus does. But Columbus, again, their schedule is not that hard uh, – not hard or not easy. They got to play Carolina twice. They got to play San Antonio, and they got to play Orlando at the very end. So they have a an obstacle. Jacksonville, Carolina twice, and then they have um, the San Antonio gunslingers in, in between their plus – Orlando. So scheduling wise, Caroline has the toughest road to clinch, but they only have to win one game and they're in mm-hmm. or some help outside. But overall, the game itself, I have to say it's the best game. Well, like we said, it was a game of the week because of the thing. It, it, it lived up to the bill. I was not disappointed in the game. Good showing. Looked like about 2,000 to 3,000 fans in that arena. Getting close there. Better than the 400 that showed up week one. So the fan base is growing in San Antonio. But overall, Robert Kent, like he said, came, or like we said earlier, came in, solidified that offense, got everyone working working together. And what the thing is, is Kylie Rashad, Philip Barnett, that team started to really find their identity. They have their identity. San Antonio is a threat to any team in the NAL right now. And if things go trending their way, they might find their way into the postseason as a four seed. And if you're that one, you don't want to play San Antonio how they've been playing this week. So, San Antonio, congratulations on a big win. Um, you made me get my chaos, and we got chaos. And I Man, they're making, a case. they're making a case. I give them props. I almost – my whole thing is, you know, who and how do you stop the gunslingers right now is my thing. You know, mm-hmm. And, again, I stress that – you know, I think last week was the, is the final week now that I'm just going to stop adding hesitancy because the only other, the only other test I had for him was we have Caroline. It's the best team in the league. You know, where, yeah. where are we gauging? Now I know the gauge, you know, hottest team in the league right now. They can beat anybody. Um, I don't they really, I mean, four in a row. Just saying. Right. And I almost wonder, I kind of wonder if I'm looking at the schedule again, you know, I don't know right now. I mean, it's hard to say who could really pull off a win against them. I do think that that matchup against Columbus looms because again, as much as they did give up 67, the Lions still to me are the best defense overall in the Mm -hmm. NAL. 
So I kind of want to see what they can do in another rematch with both teams having now adjusted their rosters and have improved or upgraded those positions that have been missing for them since we, their week two matchup. So I guess I want to see that one. Um, otherwise, I mean, right now for the gunslingers, it's, uh, I don't know, there's not much that's stopping them. You know, I, I really, and I think a lot of that's attributed a few to like some of the signings they had, like Mac, Macintosh, especially Philip Barnett to me. Because mm-hmm. Barnett being this being signed coming back from when he was originally signed preseason, coming back, opening up what you can have Khalil Rashad do on the opposite side, having two diverse weapons, he, it makes it so much easier for Robert Kent to do what he wants to do on that side of the ball. Uh, rather than having to rely on a second or third, a true second or third option. Now you have two one one possession or number one options between those two. And it just makes life that much better for your quarterback. Uh, it's hard to defend that, you know. And honestly, they've been doing a great job. And then add in, of course, Pierre T- Turner, who's been, you know, one of the one of the most consistent running backs in the league so far this year. Uh, they're humming on all cylinders right now, you know. I think that, like I said this in our Discord, which by the way, you should join that if you have a chance. Our inside the walls Discord. Um, Whoever wins this coming game this week with Albany and San Antonio, I think makes the playoffs. Um, and I just think that's my confidence in who can win those two matchups against one another at the tail end of the year, you know, and they're that close to the standings that really either one could get knocked out if they mm-hmm. go two Oh in their matchup. So my confidence will flip depending on who wins this, this coming week matchup this weekend for them. It's a crucial yeah, I, game. I, I, I don't, I think whoever wins this game this week against Albany and San Antonio, um, if San Antonio beats Albany, I think San Antonio is one of the four teams in the mm-hmm. playoffs. Uh, I think then you look at is you look at can Columbus hold on or can uh, it, can Albany solidify themselves? Who's that team that's going to miss? Is it Jacksonville or is it Carolina that eventually goes from first to missing the postseason because of an injury? Um, but overall, we're in the final four weeks of the season. Playoff scenario predictions are coming out each and every week because we're nearing the season then. And for everyone that's watching, the scenarios are very simple this week coming up. Uh, we'll talk more about them probably as we talk about the game, but I just want to give you put, put in your mind so when we talk about tomorrow, you know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Carolina makes the playoffs with a win over Columbus or an Albany win over San Antonio. That's how Caroline gets in. So they can get in with a win or they can get in with San Antonio losing. But if San Antonio does lose to Albany, does San, is San Antonio eliminated? No, they are not eliminated. They're just, they just help Carolina clinch. Um, the other one is Orlando. Orlando is a must win scenario. If they lose this week to Jacksonville, their season is over. They have been mathematically eliminated from the postseason. Therefore, it becomes a five-team race battling for four positions. But if Carolina wins, then it's a four-team race battling for only three positions. So week 11 is getting unique. In the words of an owner of the league, hopefully all the playoff teams wrap off wrapped up by week 12. So it's just battling for positionings and not worrying about can we get in the playoffs or not. So. Because right now his team is currently in the top four, so that's why he made that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but for overall, San Antonio, uh, applaud you guys. If we had like a six man of the year award or the comeback kid award, you guys will get that award right now. You are this year's version of, in my opinion, the Orlando Predators from last year. Bad start, turn your season around midway through, and you finish off strong and make the playoffs. Now you better make the playoffs now. Yeah. Okay. Got to make the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know what John Wayne used to say. Uh, whatever uh, i'm not sorry i'm not Pil- uh, something something pilgrim <laughs> yeah something something pilgrim uh you hear boy or uh, whatever i don't know yeah, but anyways um that's been episode <laughs> 54 of inside the walls podcast the final uh, excuse me wednesday rewind thursday edition remember tomorrow you'll get two editions or two episodes of inside the walls basically in the same youtube clip we'll have an interview of a player of to be named and the final walkthrough breaking down the week 11 matchups with more playoff scenario and a new number one in my power rankings coming up 
uh, tomorrow on Inside the Walls podcast. Okay. Well, remember, you can follow us on Inside at in Walls Pod at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on nationalmarinelink.com forward slash videos. What else am I missing? Oh, yeah. Like, subscribe, hit that bell. It builds morale. Remember, 100 subscriptions. Someone's winning two tickets to an NAL game of their choosing. Or we'll just may throw you guys and mail you a hat uh, or a T-shirt that I might start making if we get approval of, possibly. Yeah. Anyways, but we'll find out the way, ladies and gentlemen. Get us to 100 subscriptions to help us, to help you. Um, to everyone out there, appreciate it. That's Zach Coleman from the in oh, crowd. Can we do that? Gridiron Gallery, USFL Podcast. Yeah, yeah, you can, you. you can do that. <laughs> um, I'm Jim Renier of Controlling the Chaos, which is coming back, by the way. Oh, uh, um, me and, and my other friend have finally got it together. It's coming back, but we're going to do it for the NFL uh, version. Um, with that, ladies and gentlemen, it's spelled with a D and ends in and D ends in an all. It's called Duval, not Duvalians. All right. So one thing before we leave here, just had to say that. Remember one thing. Yeah, just remember one thing. Say one thing. Uh, you know what? It's spelled do it. It's pronounced Duval, you know. And for the second part of it, honestly, keep a level head, people. Let's sometimes better level heads prevail. You know, it allows you to you know be on the field so you can be a Mac or Jack in the box. You know what I'm saying? Don't want to be off for a game. Don't want to hurt your team. Keep that in mind for you players out there tuning on in. But yeah, be smart. Don't be a Jack out of the box either. And also, don't get suspended for next week's game. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, let better level heads prevail always. True. That's Zach Calman. I'm Jim Renier. We'll see you tomorrow for a double feature of Turf Talk and the Final Walker.